Briarwood College was built on a terraced hillside, the buildings rising one above the other, the lowest, or main building, on a level with the street that ran at right angles with the hillside, while the topmost, known as Hillview, crowned the summit and commanded a view of near and distant hills, blue, purple, and opal-tinted, melting into the sky. The main building had originally been a handsome old dwelling-house whose spacious rooms were now used as parlors, library, offices, and teachers' rooms. There were wide, beautiful porches in front and back, and massive stone steps, ending in great stone urns overflowing with bright flowers at the foot of each flight. These steps led down into wide, shady gardens, where the girls walked up and down with arms intertwined, or sat and studied and talked on rustic seats under the trees on the shady lawns. The other buildings, Briarley Hall, Elm Tree Hall, and Hillview, were devoted to classrooms and dormitories, each hall being presided over by a teacher. In these pleasant courts of learning, Alison Fair arrived on a golden September afternoon, and was warmly welcomed by Miss Harland, the principal. "'We are so glad to have you back, dear,' Miss Harland said, kissing the girl affectionately. "'I was rather afraid, from what you wrote some time ago, that you might not return to us this year.' "'Oh, so was I, Miss Harland. I was dreadfully afraid of it. I was so disappointed. I hardly realize yet that it is all right, and I am really here. And may I have my same old room, and Joan for a roommate?' "'The same room, dear, but I am so sorry about Joan. You see, she has not come yet, and there was no one else to claim that room, so I had to put a new girl in with you. We have a very large school this year, and the dormitories are overflowing. I really had no other place for her. You may be able to change later, if you don't find her congenial. You won't mind?' Alison did mind. But after the first pang of disappointment, she spoke cheerfully. "'It's all right, Miss Harland. I'm so thankful to be here at all. I shan't grumble at anything.' "'Joan is coming, isn't she?' in sudden alarm. "'Oh, yes. I expect her this evening. Her father is driving her through the country. Run up, then, and get acquainted with your new roommate. Marcia West is her name.' She looked homesick. Homesick at Briarwood, Allison marveled as she ran lightly up the familiar staircase and along the corridor to the end room, which had been hers and Joan Wentworth's last year. She was so happy to find herself here again, but then she was not a new girl, and she knew there were many freshmen lying on their beds at this moment and crying their eyes out for homesickness. Well, it would not last long one grew accustomed to the pleasant routine of school days. She reached her door and tapped lightly. It was opened after an instant's delay, and the new girl stood there in silence, still holding the door and looking at her with an expression which, if not exactly forbidding, was certainly not encouraging. She was about Allison's own age, rather tall and slight, with dark, somber eyes and dark, heavy hair worn low on her forehead. 
The heavy hair and the unsmiling eyes gave her face a lowering look that was not attractive at first sight. She merely stood there without speaking, until Allison said pleasantly, "'Good evening. I'm Allison Fair, and you are my new roommate. Miss Harlan told me you were here. I'm sorry to be late. I hope you like our room.' "'Pretty, though it's not very large for two, said the girl nonchalantly. "'I came in this morning. I've been unpacking.' It was evident, as Allison entered and looked about her. Marcia had unpacked her trunk, which stood open in the hall beside their door, and had strewed her belongings about as freely as though she had expected to occupy the room alone. It was a fairly good-sized room, containing two single beds, and a dresser, chair, and small table for each girl. A roomy closet was well supplied with hangers and shoe-racks, a glance showed Allison that Marcia had placed her dresser and table close to the window and strewn them with photographs and toilet articles in lavish profusion. Also, that she had taken the best chair. "'I changed things a little. You don't mind, do you?' she asked, watching Allison. "'Oh, no, it's your room as well as mine,' Allison answered good-humouredly and proceeded to open her own trunk, which had been brought up and placed in the hall, according to custom, and to arrange her part of the room. Marcia had encroached on her side of the closet, she noticed, but she said nothing, only hanging up a few dresses and leaving the rest in her trunk. She placed a few favourite books between a pair of bronze bookends, her father's parting gift, laid her Bible beside them, and her pretty new portfolio her mother had given her, and finally set her cherished lamp on the dresser. She had scarcely finished, and stood surveying the effect when there was a rush of little feet in the corridor. The door was flung open, and a small, rosy-faced, curly-haired girl rushed in to fling herself into Allison's arms. "'Oh, Allison, you darling thing! I'm so thrilled to be back, and in our same room, too!' Chapter 3, Some of the Girls "'Lovely to be back,' said Allison, warmly kissing the pretty childish face. "'But you are too late for us to be roommates, Joe. I have another roommate, a new girl, Marcia West. Marcia, this is Joan Wentworth, who roomed with me last year.' Joan shook back her light, fluffy hair, looking rather taken aback for an instant as Marcia emerged from the closet where she had been invisible, arranging a rack of shoes. "'How do you do?' Marcia said briefly. "'I didn't know I was taking your room. Miss Harlan put me in here. She said there wasn't any other room, or I'd go somewhere else. Sorry.' "'Oh, it's all right,' Joan answered, recovering her equanimity quickly. "'I'll go and see if Kathy can take me in, for the night anyway. Well, she's just across the hall, and she's by herself. I'll look her up.' She was gone, leaving Allison and Marcia to shake down together as best they could. Conversation languished. Allison tried to talk about her schoolwork. It developed that they would both be in the same classes. But Marcia seemed to have no enthusiasms. She had come to school because she was made to, and she looked forward to nothing but getting through. Finally, she said she was tired and lay down on her bed, and seeing presently that she had fallen asleep, 
Allison slipped out of the room across the hall to the room opposite, which was Catherine Bertram's. Catherine was better off financially than most of the girls. Her mother was dead, and she had traveled and lived in hotel rooms for several years previously, and so her room at school was more like a home than anything she had known since her mother's death. It was prettily furnished, and her pictures and rugs were better and more luxurious than most schoolgirls' rooms could boast. Nevertheless, she was known as a good fellow and was popular with the girls. Allison's tap at the door was answered by a cordial, "'Come in,' and she entered to find Catherine and Joan curled up on the bed, talking vigorously, but both sprang up to greet her joyously. She found a seat on the velvet-covered stool beside the couch, and Joan resumed her interrupted grumble. "'I'm just too disappointed and cross for anything,' she lamented. "'Here I came, flying back to our old quarters like, like a homing pigeon, only to find my place taken by that cross-looking thing.' I don't believe you're going to like her a bit, Allison. She doesn't look as if she would fit in. It's too bad, but then it gives me Joan for a roommate, which is a silver lining, said Catherine equably. I didn't know there was a chance of your losing your place, or I would have spoken to Miss Harland and tried to get one of the old girls to change with her. Oh, well, it's only the first day. Maybe something will happen, or we may like her better when we know her, said Allison hopefully. And in the meantime, Joan is welcome with me as long as she likes. I'll ask for a cot for her. There's plenty of room, said Catherine hospitably. We shall be close by and can get together whenever we like. So cheer up, Joe. It won't be so bad. They fell into an animated discussion of school matters, which was presently interrupted by a tumultuous rush outside. The door was opened without ceremony, and in flocked the rest of the kindred spirit. Evelyn and Polly, boon companions, unlike as they were, studious Rachel, Rosalind, the school beauty, whose golden head and apple-blossom face scarcely suggested books or scholarship. These, with Allison, Catherine, and Joan, made up the seven kindred spirits, an informal little club of loyal friends. Their favorite gathering place last year had been the room occupied by Allison and Joan, and consternation reigned when the news spread that the newcomer had usurped Joan's place. "'It won't be the same thing at all,' complained Polly, flinging herself back on the bed in a paroxysm of disappointment. Catherine poured oil on the troubled waters. "'You can meet here just as well, and maybe—' As Allison says, we shall like her when we know her. Don't let us judge her too hardly beforehand. So charitable Cathy always is, murmured Evelyn. Rachel changed the subject. Well, did you know we have a new English teacher? No. What's her name? Miss Burnett. Cecil Burnett. She's lovely. And she's to be at our table. Are Helen York and Brenda Thornton back? Yes, I saw them this morning, as musical as ever. Oh, is that the supper bell? It can't be six o'clock already. It seems it can, for it is, said Allison, consulting her wristwatch and finding it correspond with the bell. I must go and see if my roommate is awake and take her down to supper. Please be nice to her, girls. 
I don't know yet whether she is cross or just shy. She gave the group an appealing look as she left the room, and Catherine answered it with a reassuring smile. But Joan shrugged her shoulders and made a face. She had not been prepossessed in favor of the new girl. End of section two.